All right, podcast family. So what would you do in this clinical situation? This clinical conundrum comes from Elise, one of our podcast listeners. This is not theoretical. This is a real clinical conundrum because she has a patient who's fully anticoagulated on Xarelto. And you guessed it, she's having heavy menstrual bleeding. See, on the one hand, we have this fear of giving hormonal therapy because somehow it's going to aggravate or exacerbate another clot, even though she's anticoagulated. But on the other hand, we don't want to leave her just bleeding and having heavy menstrual bleed because that also increases hormonality as well. So in this episode, we're going to tackle control of heavy menstrual bleeding in the fully anticoagulated patient. Which hormonal agent is okay? Are birth control pills okay? Combination pills? The answer may surprise you. And we're also going to discuss why it's not just about suppression of bleeding, but it really should be also about suppression of ovulation in these patients who are anticoagulated. Ready? Let's cover the management of the anticoagulated patient now. Our goal is to keep everyone up to date in practicing evidence-based medicine because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Heavy menstrual bleeding is a common complication of anticoagulation and it affects up to 70% of reproductive age menstruating women on anticoagulant therapy. Heavy menstrual bleeding can result in iron deficiency anemia and it raises the risk of blood transfusions, need for hospitalizations, other medical interventions, and of course it's linked to decreased quality of life. I mean, as if having the blood caught isn't bad enough, but having uncontrolled bleeding, well that's just adding salt to the wound. Currently, women diagnosed with blood clots are typically advised to stop hormonal therapies or even contraception if, even if they are already on full anticoagulation. And so what's the reason for that? Well, the reason is because healthcare providers are concerned that these hormonal agents somehow may raise the patient's risk for having more clots. However, there's actually no evidence to support this kind of reasoning or decision. Let me just clarify this clinical situation right off the bat, okay? I'm talking about women in the general population who develop a blood clot that's not linked to a malignancy or something that's extremely high-risk condition, okay? General population, otherwise healthy, boom, she gets a blood clot, which happens, right? Uh, And then she's placed on anticoagulation. And we're like, okay, well, we'll set you on your way. But they're never really discussed this whole issue, this big side effect of heavy menstrual bleeding, or worse, the possibility of intraperitoneal bleeding if they're not placed on ovarian suppression, because every time they ovulate, they raise the risk if they're anticoagulated of having blood in the abdomen with a hemorrhagic ruptured cyst. We're going to get into that in a minute, but I want to make sure you would get the situation correct, okay? So a patient not on hormonal birth control, Boom, develops a clot. She gets placed on some kind of anticoagulant, let's say Xarelto or Eliquis, and she's never prepared for this big potential side effect of heavy menstrual bleeding. That should be done at the initial consultation once this anticoagulant is being ordered, all right? So that's a big caveat there. It's a big clinical pearl. Every one of these patients needs to be told of this possibility of having heavy menstrual bleed. Now, if a patient is on hormonal birth control and then develops a clot, the traditional you know, algorithm is that that needs to stop. She gets anticoagulated, 
but she actually then can restart the contraception during the period of active anticoagulation. She's got to have some kind of protection. I want to get into that in just a minute, but you all get that? So no birth control, develops the clot. It's okay to start some kind of hormonal therapy to protect her from heavy menstrual bleed. And if she's already on some kind of hormonal birth control, typically the pill, and then is found to have a clot, that needs to stop. She gets anticoagulated, but it's actually okay in that situation then to restart some kind of hormonal agent. Now, which one is the whole focus of this podcast? But I just want to set that stage here of what we're talking about, okay? Back to our discussion. So if you're thinking, well, wait a minute, this is kind of pointless, right? I mean, we already have options here. We have ways to suppress menstrual bleeding. We've got the progestin-only pill, the mini pill, and the IUS options. We already have those, and that's totally true. But remember, that traditional progestin-only pills or the Micronor, the norethindrome pills, and even the progestin-releasing IUSs do not predictably diminish heavy menstrual bleeding, at least not initially, and they don't completely suppress ovulation. So that leaves the patient at risk for ovarian bleeding under anticoagulation with every act of ovulation. Now, that's potentially where the eternogestrel implant comes in, Nexplanon, because the implant does much more effectively suppress ovulation than the traditional mini pill or even the IUSs. However, that menstrual suppression while on the implant is also not immediate, right? We know that it can take three to four months, sometimes six months, for that patient to become amenorrheic. So yes, progestin-only methods are totally acceptable, but it's going to be a while before that menstrual lining is addressed. Yes, implanon also hits ovulation, but once again, it takes a while to suppress that bleed cycle. Now, as a side note, the new progestin-only pill, SLIN, does also potentially have a role here. SLIN is progestin-only, but it's a novel progestin. Remember, it's drospirinone at 4 milligrams. This pack actually comes in a 24-4 uh, manner. It's not all the way through. It's 24-4, 24 active pills, 4 days of inert pills. And drospirinone does have a better effect of suppressing ovulation than the traditional mini pill, which is norethindrone. Now, if you think I've lost it because dropirinone has that theoretical higher risk of VTE, and I'm suggesting that patients who have had a VTE and yet are fully anticoagulated should be offered this, if you think I'm off my rocker, well, I'm not. And that actually is evidence-based because that risk of VTE is very theoretical. While some studies have found a 1.5 risk of venous thromboembolic events in drospirinone-containing combination birth control pills, other studies have not found that association. Now, here's what the ACOG states. Yes, even if there is a theoretical risk of 1.5 times with drospirinone compared to other progestins, it's much lower risk than during pregnancy or the postpartum period. And that risk is largely mitigated because the patient is already anticoagulated. Does that make sense? So yes, any progestin-only method, including SLIND, would be an option in these patients. Because as long as they're anticoagulated, that theoretical risk of throwing another clot is just mitigated. It's just not real. And there's data to back that up. Now, here's the one catch, because surely 
there can't be an option here for combination birth control, right? I mean, combination birth control pills is the estrogen that increases the thrombotic risk. Well, that's actually not true. There is definitely an option and a role for placing these patients, remember, already fully anticoagulated, on combination birth control because that actually addresses those two problems. It gives great menstrual suppression and also suppresses ovulation. Because there's nothing worse than having a patient exposed not just to heavy bleeding, but to intraperitoneal bleeding and worse, pregnancy if she doesn't have some form of good contraception. And I think that's one of the balls that's often dropped here, right? It's, we're so focused on the DVT or the PE event, and we should be, and they're adequately placed on anticoagulation, which is the correct thing to do. But then we leave them in this gap, especially if they're young reproductive age, where they're exposed to pregnancy, heavy menstrual bleeding, or intraperitoneal bleed. So we cannot forget, please guys, if you have a young reproductive age woman who is, still has the potential for, for pregnancy, you've got to talk about some kind of contraception in these cases. Yes, combination birth control pills do have a role in the fully anticoagulated patient. And I'm going to tell you why and where that data comes from next. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The idea that combination contraception can be used in the anticoagulated patient is actually nothing new. In 2009, a great pioneer, a great leader in the field of gynecology, Dr. Andrew Konitz, actually had a nice commentary published on November the 12th, 2009, in the New England Journal of Medicine's Practice Watch under Women's Health. Dr. Konitz wrote a commentary called, quote, Contraception for Women Who Receive Anticoagulant Therapy for Venous Thrombosis, end quote. Here, Dr. Kanis reminds us that most clinicians are reluctant to prescribe estrogen-containing contraceptives for anticoagulated women. And here's a clinical pearl. And these are Dr. Conant's words, not mine. However, no evidence suggests that estrogen-containing contraceptives further raise the VTE risk in women who are already fully anticoagulated. In patients who do not accept or cannot use a progestin-only method, then in this setting, the use of an estrogen-containing birth control pill, as long as they have adequate anticoagulation, can be considered. End quote. Oh, you know I'm not going to leave you with an article from back in 2009. Let's keep that tally going. Let's fast forward from 2009 to another study, which was a pretty groundbreaking study, in 2015. This was a publication out of Milan, Italy. The lead author is Martinelli. This was published in the journal Blood. In this study, Martinelli's team compared cases of recurrent VTEs and abnormal uterine bleeding in nearly 1,900 women who were given anticoagulation with or without hormone therapy. Of all the women involved in the study, 475 used hormonal therapy like the combination birth control pill or progestin-only pills. You're like, oh, that's heresy. Wait a minute, calm down. They're going to be fine. 
The women were asked if they experienced any symptoms or signs of blood clots, as well as heavy menstrual bleeding, and this was done at each point of follow-up. Seven recurrent blood clot events occurred while the women were on hormone therapy. Ah, oh, see, there you go. Seven recurrent blood clots while they were on birth control pills. Ah, oh, so there you go, because I know what you're thinking. You see, they placed those women on birth control pills and seven had recurrent clots. But the other side of the story is that there were actually 38 other VTE events that occurred when patients were not using those hormonal treatments. Yeah, that's right. There was actually less recurrent VTEs while they were on hormonal therapy. Figure that. So the researchers calculated that women on any kind of anticoagulation and hormone therapy experienced recurrent blood clots at a rate of 3.7% per year, but that was actually less than the recurrent rate of 4.7% per year for those not on hormonal therapy. Suggesting, of course, that hormone use or specifically combination birth control pills is actually safe in this population with the catch, remember, that they're fully anticoagulated. But the benefit was not only that they have contraception, but they also reduced their rate of heavy menstrual bleeding. Okay, we've covered 2009 and 2015. Now let's move to an article by Clock and Barco that was published in 2019. This study suggested that patients may actually prefer to continue all forms of hormonal contraception during their anticoagulation treatment because of the benefits of pregnancy reduction risk as well as control of bleeding. These authors recommend that combination oral contraceptive pills should only be stopped when and if anticoagulant therapy is being discontinued. In other words, if the risk is of causing more clots while on the birth control pill, well, that kind of goes away if they're fully anticoagulated. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? But once that anticoagulation is set to resolve, then it's important to stop the oral contraceptive pill at least four weeks before that. Everybody good? So okay to use a combined birth control pill if they're fully anticoagulated. And before that anticoagulation stops, these two authors state, go ahead and bridge them over to a progestin-only method or an intrauterine system if they desire that. Um, but you need to start switching them over so that they don't leave the protection of the anticoagulant once it's discontinued. If you want more information, that article was published in the journal Thrombosis Research. And again, those two authors are Clock with a K, K-L-O-K, and Barco, B-A-R-C-O. The title is Optimal Management of Hormonal Contraceptives After an Episode of Venous Thromboembolism. But it gets even better. A study and position statement was released in 2021 by the International Society on Thrombosis and Hemostasis. See, every time I do some research, I'm like, man, there's another society for something? Well, the answer is yes. This is the ISTH, the International Society on Thrombosis and Hemostasis. All right, so notice our timeline here. We went from 2009, 2015, went to 2019, and now we're at 2021. According to the ISTH, the authors of this position statement, after review of the current evidence of hormonal agents during active therapeutic anticoagulation, state that once the indication for anticoagulation has been established, that healthcare providers, quote, should consider continuation of already established hormonal contraception or should even consider commencement of hormonal contraception in women of fertile age who 
are undergoing anticoagulation, end quote. Now, that's pretty, pretty big change, right? So from before, it's let's stop all forms of hormonal agents to now in 2021, this international society says once you've made the decision to give them anticoagulation and they're anticoagulated, you really need to think about giving them some kind of hormonal contraception. Wow, see how far we've come? Now, I want to read you this directly out of this ISTH guidance because this is not my word or my opinion, okay? This is the 2021 International Society of Thrombosis and Hemostasis. This is their recommendation. I mean, just look how novel this is. Quote, this ISTH guidance recommends against the simultaneous introduction of anticoagulation while discontinuing hormonal contraception. Wow, so let's stop there for a minute. So they say, wow, even if they're on the pill and they get a VTE, start them immediately on anticoagulation, but leave them on that hormonal agent to prevent that withdrawal bleed that you know is going to be catastrophic and heavy because they're getting anticoagulated. Again, so we've gone full circle, right? Oh my gosh, take them off everything and then potentially restart them when they're anticoagulated to this 2021 position statement saying, look, we recommend against stopping hormonal birth control. They can keep going, just give them anticoagulation and do it quickly to get them covered in that spread. Isn't that wild? So I've got to be very honest, that does make me a little uncomfortable just because that's not traditionally what we've done. But, and remember, this is not what ACOG says. It's not an ACOG statement, nor has ACOG endorsed this. But this is one international guideline that says, hey, keep them on it and just quickly get them anticoagulated. I'm just throwing that out there for your consideration, not telling you to do that. I'm just reporting what's been published and what the evidence seems to show. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, well, where do they get that idea? Where's the data to support that safety? Well, this actually comes from a post-hoc analysis from another study called the Einstein study. This actually supports this strategy by demonstrating similar VTE rates in patients with and without estrogen exposure during active anticoagulation and its initiation. So for patients with heavy menstrual bleeding during anti-oral anticoagulation therapy, a number of options are available. It's not just the progestin-only methods, but according to this data, if you're comfortable with that, there is a role for combination oral contraceptives, either initiation after full anticoagulation, or actually, if you feel pretty liberal in this, and that's again, it's evidence-based, continuing the hormonal agent as long as the patient gets quick anticoagulation after the VTE or PE diagnosis. Now, as we come to the end of the podcast, let me play devil's advocate. Because if you're thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, Chapa, that's not what's in the medical eligibility chart from the CDC and the WHO regarding contraceptive contraindications. And you're right. Combination birth control pills currently is listed as a category four for those that have had a VTE event and are on anticoagulation. That's true. But sometimes, remember, the MEC chart isn't that quick to change either, and it kind of lags behind the evidence. So evidence bills first, and then the medical eligibility chart changes. Remember, the last statement from this was just in 2021. And you know we're taping this on October 1st, 2022. So it takes a while for this big boat to turn around. But there may be a time when even the MEC may drop combination birth control pills from Category 4 down to possibly a Category 3 or even 2 in women who are fully anticoagulated. 
Before we bring the close, a quick word about TXA in this setting. TXA in the fully anticoagulated patient is just not evidence-based. We just don't have any data, not just on its safety, but on its efficacy. Plus, TXA would not address the real root of the issue, which is that they need menstrual and ovulatory suppression. TXA just doesn't do that. So in this case, TXA, not evidence-based. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. So remember, take those signs and symptoms of a VTE or PE at face value. Don't brush those over. Those are life-threatening. Make the right diagnosis and get that patient started on anticoagulation ASAP. But don't forget to talk to them about the importance of menstrual suppression, ideally ovulation suppression, and for sure pregnancy suppression while they're under anticoagulation. Yes, it's true. Progestin-only methods are the most traditional way to protect women from heavy menstrual bleeding while under these anticoagulative meds. That's true. But don't throw combination birth control pills under the bus. While we've had the traditional fear of using them in these scenarios, the data shows it can actually be done and it's super safe. The trick is to remember that they must be discontinued before the anticoagulation is over and they should be taken to a non-estrogen-containing option at that time. Everybody good? All right, Elise, great clinical situation that you proposed. You did a great job taking care of your patient. And for everyone else, thank you for your kind messages and your well wishes. And we'll see you next time on another episode of Clinical Pearls.